This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This is ours being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And you know our goal, that is to provide our listeners with some really good information about our local market. Things may be different in Michigan than they are here in the Central Valley. So we're going to give you the Central Valley news, not the Michigan news. Although a lot of times it goes hand in hand. Today we have with us Kim Huckabee, who you all know, she filled in for me while I was on vacation. She's our government affairs director at the Fresno Association of Realtors. See, I'm, I'm a little rusty still. Welcome back, Don. Thank you. Hey, it's good to be back. I really enjoy this show. And then we have a special guest today, too, and that is Fresno City Council member Mike Carbasi. Yeah, welcome, Councilmember Carbasi. It's great uh, to be here. Yeah. So just a real quick introduction. It's my pleasure to introduce actually my council member. I live in District 2. And um, council member uh, Mike Carbasi, uh, Fresno City Council, uh, District 2. Um, he is a second generation business owner. Um, been here in Fresno all of your life, right? Born and raised. Born and raised in District 2. In District 2, which is pretty incredible. Um, you went to Fresno State. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, District 2 growing up was a lot of fig orchards and it's changed and grown so much and it's still growing. And I look forward to talking about how it's growing and uh, the market. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here. Um, just want to mention, you know, a couple of things that um, the council member has, you know, publicly said his priorities are public safety, economic development, maintain, maintaining neighborhood infrastructure and quality of life, uh, which were, are all, you know, very worthy to be at the top of the list. So thank you for that. All right, Don, I'll turn it back to you. Okay, a couple of things. Those fig orchards you mentioned. So I grew up also in um, District 2. And way back then, wow, that makes it sound like I'm old. <laughs> but I am. So way back then, I guess the city didn't have rules that said you had to have the infrastructure in first. So the first year that we lived in this new subdivision out by Maroa and Sierra, there were fig orchards across the street from us, except there was no street. It was just mud. And I remember having to push my dad out of the, uh, out of the, uh, the mud so many times. We'd have our whole family out there. And uh, I'm, I'm glad things changed. Me too. Yeah, for me, what I do miss about the fig orchards were uh, used, my friends and I used to ride our bikes. That's when you could ride your bikes everywhere and have a great time. And they used to be great for our quote-unquote BMX bike route, which we really didn't know what we were doing. We just had fun going up and down hills. Yeah. Yeah, those were the good old days. That's right. Uh, and then fig trees were kind of easy to climb. So even though I was only like five years old, I, I could I could scale it to the top. <laughs> um, For our listeners that don't just automatically know where District 2 is, so we're talking Northwest Fresno, and I know, you know, I kind of know District 2, but maybe... Tell well, us a little bit about if it. I could say this, this is where one of the things where he has one of the easiest jobs of all the city council members, because when Luis Chavez was on here the other day and I asked, or, or the other month, I asked, okay, where, what's your uh, boundaries? Well, District 5 is kind of hard to follow. 
Give us the easy answer to District 2. <laughs> sure. So Shaw Avenue, north, all the way to the river, and then Blackstone, west, past the 99. So, oh, okay. easy peasy. Okay. Yeah. We, for Luis Chavez, we had to extend the show a half hour just so he could <laughs> give all the boundaries. Well, you know, those boundaries are going to change right now with the census coming out. We're going through the redistricting process. And one thing that surprised me, um, I thought District 6 would have been the fastest growing district, but District 2 was the highest growing district. So my district will shrink a little bit. Uh, which is tough. You don't want to lose any neighborhoods and residents that uh, voted for you, but uh, that's just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I'll still be able to explain it in about five seconds. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, I have some District 2 statistics for you, housing stats. Great. Um, as of yesterday, there were 72 active listings in all of District 2, so north of Shaw to the river uh, and west of Blackstone. Uh only 72 um and there were but there's 161 that are in escrow so there's actually a lot of activity going on there and then uh for the month of may there were 97 solds so it's a very active market um but i want you to take a guess how many foreclosures because we've heard for years now a year that all the forbearance is coming up there's going to be drawerfuls of reos how many do you think there are in district two? well if i had to guess before this conversation i would have thought it was low mm-hmm. um I, I wouldn't think that we're there yet if that's going to be the case how i would agree have? with you okay zero okay well yep, that's good we're winning. <laughs> <laughs> there are zero foreclosures now when luis chavez was on there was three so if we were in the if we were true members of the media we would say three thousand. <laughs> yeah, we would say District Three had three times the amount of foreclosures as District Two. There you go. Oh, look at that spin work. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of spin work, here's some other statistics, and this is where we as listeners really have to pay attention and think for ourselves too. So uh, about a month ago, we had a couple of guests on here, they're uh, realtors. And I asked him beforehand, give me the current uh, median home uh, sales price for our local market. And all three of us had different numbers. And the story behind that was we each defined the current market differently. Some did the previous month, some did the previous quarter. Um, And then current markets, some did just Fresno, some did Fresno County, some did Fresno Madera. So you see, you, you've got to listen. Now, here's one for you. According to the California Association of Realtors for the month of April, the median sold price in Fresno County was 355000 Wow. Yeah. But you know, interest rates are low, so actually affordability right. is up. Right. right. But when you compare it to Madera County, and many people used to say, oh, I'll move to Madera because Madera, it's cheaper there. Well, 378000 compared to three fifty-five. So you might say, wow, who would have thought that Madera would be more expensive than Fresno County? Well, as Paul Harvey would say, now for the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> There's all that upper end new construction mm-hmm. going on in Madera County that is tipping the scales on our statistics right i actually looked over at some of the, those new developments when i when i first moved or when i was looking for a home hmm. here 
Yeah. You know, it, it, it is it's it, there's good and bad with the with the average price going up. But here's here's the point, and this is why I think home ownership is so important. I remember when I bought my first home, and that home is worth a lot more now, five years later than it was before. So I have positive equity on it, mm-hmm. and I had a pretty decent rate, and I refinanced for an even lower rate. It's really the best way to become financially independent because you are buying an asset where you can dep- you you can write off the interest, which is a good thing for your taxes. Trust me, any any way you can reduce your tax burden is a good thing. Amen. Um, but the other factor is that you know it, it eventually you you know, I think what I was told by my real estate agent I, I thought oh I'm going to have this home forever. No, five years is the average, and you'll get another home, which I did. But I kept the other home as a rental, mm-hmm. so now I have a rental in my current home. And the great thing about that is, you know, you build equity and um, you can always leverage that later if you have to, just responsibly. But it's it's freedom. It's yeah. absolute freedom. And it's the number one way to build wealth in America still, right? I mean, there's not another mm. way that, that leads people to that, that financial independence. Yeah. And the great thing is when you buy a home, not only is it an investment for the future, but it's something you can use right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. one of the biggest home builders in District 2 over the years what uh, he's no longer with us but as a guy i used to work for joe farina and i remember joe telling us if you work with your hands you'll make a good living but if you put your money to work for you too you'll get wealthy mm-hmm. and what he was trying to tell us is buy a home be- because that will that will help and so i did i bought one of his homes for fifty two thousand dollars Oh gosh, very wise. I mean, wise words, and I'm, I'm sure you made a, made a great investment over time. On oh that. yeah, yeah, that has turned out great because it's no longer worth fifty two thousand. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. When we get back from our commercial break, let's talk about what's going on in the city. Let's talk about what's going on in District Two, and stay tuned. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino with co-host Kim Huckabee here in the studio. And we have our special guest today, District 2 City Councilman Mike Carbasi. And you have been busy taking care of business. Trying to. So that, you know, we have this budget process coming along, so uh, it's really important we get it right. Right. Yeah. That's one of the questions I wanted to actually just dive into with you, um, Council Member. I think you probably have the most, you know, one of the most unique perspectives when it comes to sort of business and then, you know, the budget, right? Because you've had to balance a lot of budgets, hire employees, you know, you're, you've dealt with all of that. How does that play into your, your role at council when, especially just dealing with um, the fiscal numbers? Well, I, I know we're talking about a billion dollar budget and we're in the millions of dollars, but I'm still very, very frugal. And, you know, the scariest thing for me, best experience in my life was having to make payroll, especially the first time, because it was a new business, it was a restaurant, and we weren't profitable yet, but we had to make it work. And that that's an experience, you just, it just changes you and you'll never forget that. So I try to be very careful. It's the people's money, and I don't say that lightly, and we only have so much of it. I mean, if we could, for example, the biggest revenue is property taxes. So the more land we develop, the more homes we can sell, the more money that comes into the city, but that doesn't always happen. So we have to do a two things. We have to, one, do what it takes to increase revenues, like support an economy, local business, and support a healthy housing market. At the same time, we have to be careful about our spending, and that creates the surplus we can use to do more things with our money. 
Right. Sounds kind of boring, but that's just the way business is fun but boring. So uh, how's, the, how's this budget process coming along? Well, it's it's fine. I mean, we have to have, we have to have a balanced budget by June thirtieth because our fiscal year starts July first, like the state. Um, for the most part, it's going really well, except there have been some recent divisive issues that I'm sure you've heard about in the media. Um, but it, it is a bit distracting from the issue at hand because local government impacts you more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Your garbage collection, the quality of your streets, your parks, public safety, which is the biggest issue for me. That's all local government. So if we don't get this right, the people suffer the most. You know, you mentioned the word divisive, and I just got to say this. One of the big takeaways from the road trip that I took around the country, I drove through, uh, well, California to Florida, and I went two different routes, one there, the other on the way back. I saw a lot of places, a lot of back roads. I love going to little towns and discovering what they're like and I talked to a lot of people and you know when when we turn on the news or the social media we see how divisive things are if you just turn off the news and look and see and hear people we're not America is beautiful I mean it it, everybody everybody was so kind um, and that didn't matter what age they were It didn't matter what race they were. Uh, Everybody was helpful, kind, and uh, uplifting. And uh, so I I, I just, that's something to think about. And I think that probably is the sentiment for most Americans, right? I mean, I think even if you have some sort of political view or, you know, whatever, I, I think at the end of the day, we're all pretty sick of this, you know, just being divided. It would just be nice to have some consensus and coming, you know, to come together or I guess just turn it all off right Don it's off yeah somebody yeah. might just say I'm an optimist but uh I look forward to it yeah <laughs> I, I don't think you're an optimist I think I think you're a realist uh the fact is you turned off all the the the, the loud noise and you started listening to the actual people and you met people what you were telling me along your road trip and actually listened to them and realized oh well th- you know this is what this person thinks this is what I think you're not being told what to think by a politician uh, or by uh, a news commentator and I think it's very refreshing. I, I mentioned earlier, I, I, I when we were talking about how my cell phone, I think, went dead for two days. And it was the best two days of my life because I just <laughs> had, you know, the ability to process things better and not have to deal with all the all the calls. So a little inner peace. A little right? inner. That's right. And we're a great. The key is community. And I, I truly believe and I know it's a fact that we are a great community. The problem is sometimes we just get a little worked up. And the danger of the political world is. Sometimes politicians want us to get worked up because it's a great way to rally the base. But that means they're not doing their job. And right now the job is budget. The job is making sure we have enough money to keep ourselves safe, enough money to support our tax base, and enough money to make sure we have real economic development, especially after this COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, let's go back 10, maybe even 20 years ago. I used to do a lot of um, relocation tours for a big corporation here in town where they would be recruiting somebody and they'd have me drive them around the community. And you know what I told them? I said, and this is 20 years ago before all this divisive talk came up. You'll love Fresno because everybody's here and everybody has to get along because we just have to go to work. You know, it's not a elitist town. It's um, not a real poor town. 
we just all get along because we're all here and really i think we're all one right we have so much more in common than we than what separates us right you know, I think Northwest is a good example of that. People are actually really nice. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, a, a merchant or you, you know, you work in a, in a in a in a store. Everyone is just it's very down to earth. Everyone talks to each other and they're very friendly. I mean, I, I remember going to a big city and thinking, "Geez, I said hi to someone that didn't even look at me. Or they looked at me weird, and that, that's just not what I'm used to." And you know, re- yes, it's the traffic is a little bit. Uh, it's getting a little impacted, but I mean, come on, compared to L.A. or San Francisco, you can get from one side to the other, you know, in this, and this is the sixth largest city by area, fifth largest by population. You can get across town pretty quick if you have to. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I measure traffic this way. So here in Fresno, you can get through a, an intersection in one light. When you're in Los Angeles, it takes three lights to get through the same intersection. That's mm-hmm. an excellent point. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Let's get back to the budget. So I think as a business owner, you had a restaurant, uh, a Persian rug store. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the basics that you probably had to learn is you can't spend more money than what you have. Well, you and I can't because we live by the real world rules. Government doesn't always follow that. But fortunately, voters a few years ago passed a measure where we have to pass a balanced budget in the city of Fresno, which is good. Limits are good for politicians because then they learn not to get get carried away. You can't just give it all away. <laughs> no, no. Now, what's what's saving us, frankly, because I remember when Mayor Swearingen came on board, she had she inherited a just a just a, a recession and a deficit that just through the national economy that happened. They had no bailout, so they had to make cuts. We're lucky that the revenue we lost from sales tax revenue um, is actually going to be replaced for a couple of years through the federal relief that we have. That's going to be a great opportunity, but how we spend that money is really important. We need to spend it on, if we're going to spend the surplus money on one-time things, they can't be things that are going to increase expenses in the future. Mm-hmm. So again, because you create a future liability for yourself. So people need to be watching how the, how the, how the local politicians spend this money. Well, I've been watching, and it's been interesting to see. You guys have had some marathon council meetings lately, too, by the way. It's really been some long, long days. Yeah, it, I mean, it's part of the job. You know, we... It, it's it's it the people pay full time and uh, we only have meetings once every two weeks we've had a lot more special meetings with the pandemic but it's part of the job um, but sometimes you know you get a little fatigued because I always bet with myself okay here's the agenda what issue today is going to take up the most time and you would think it's the most important issue something with public safety or with land use it's never that it's the silliest issue that takes up all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> that's media yeah. for you yeah um, what what are the biggest public services that the city provides to its residents? Well, when you look at the budget from the budget numbers, it's going to be public safety. And look, look at this. When you, when you want to market a city for someone to live here, I think the two most important issues for them are, is it a safe community and how are the schools? So in District 2, we have Central Unified, Clovis Unified, and Fresno Unified. I'm not a school board member. I don't have a say in the quality of our schools. But what I can control is the quality of the streets around the school, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether the lines are freshly painted or there's enough stop signs or, dare I say, are there speed bumps? That's another another issue that's coming up to make sure that cars aren't, aren't moving fast and it's safe. But public safety for me as a candidate, as a resident, was always number one. It's my number one priority because... We have had an increase in crime in certain parts of the city, but we also have a very dedicated police department that's trying to do everything they can to ensure they respond to those priorities, zero-on-one calls as fast as possible. But they have to have the resources. 
one of the challenges we have right now is recruiting officers. Mm -hmm. But part of this being one of the one of the one of the proposals I'm going to introduce is down payment assistance for officers that move to Fresno, so that if they if they sign a contract for working five years, for example, will provide. Uh, kind of like I think the WISH program ha- or the county has a program as well where if you have the title for five years, you get so much towards down payment. You know why that's such an excellent idea? <laughs> why is that? <laughs> because once some, uh, that new officer buys a home here, they have sunk roots in this yes, community. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to stay here twice as long. Um, and they'll feel more a part of it. Right. So there's a lot of psychological and social uh, reasons for that, which may not show in statistics, but it shows in common sense. Yeah, and the I, other, I just made that part. No, no I, I love that. The other thing is, uh, when they live in the city of Fresno, they're also a Fresno taxpayer, so it all goes back to the, to yeah. the coffers. Right. Will yeah. they have to buy in the city of Fresno, or you know, that's a good question. I, I don't. I think so. Some officers love to live where they patrol. Um, others, they kind of want to be able to turn it off. So some of them live in a different city. Uh, that's just a, a personal life choice. So I've I've met uh, those on both sides. Um, probably the county is my guess, or somewhere mm. close enough. Yeah. So. yeah. I don't think that's a, a challenge really unique to to Fresno, though. I think you can still see that up and down the Central Valley. A lot of times, you know, um, these smaller smaller communities like you know Tulare, Kings, they'll end up training the police officers, and then they get better offers on the coast or you know and so having you know these types of programs that provide incentive um and then also you know the recruitment tools i think that's great and that that's happens great. to us too we do we have a great uh, training program uh, through city college and we you know we don't also have the most competitive pay that's another thing we're trying to fix right. as well um, i so think that, that's probably the that you know that's also another important piece right now, now we also have a great pension for our officers and for our, and the firefighters. But when you're a young officer, you're not thinking about a pension. That's just not what's in your mind. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think, I think you're right, being able to offer more competitive pay and um, whatever incentives we can because we want to recruit the best. We want the, the, the person that wants to be that community-oriented person that wants to help people because it's such an important job. And it's not just about responding to a 911 call. We're doing a new program in Northwest Fresno. It's, it's, it's taking some time to get together. We want the officers to know the people on their beat. We want them to know them by a first name basis. And this is what's going on here at home. And they can communicate with the teachers about what this kid is going through or that kid's going through. Now, are you the one writing that program? No, no, no. I'm just trying to help our captain and our lieutenant. Um, this is something that it's not an official. If you took it to a council meeting, it never would have made it out the, out the door. <laughs> this is just something they've identified they want to do. And I'm, I'm completely supportive of that. We have some uh, resources we're bringing on board to help them do what they have to do. And you guys have another resource that you can bring on if, if this is about a down payment assistance program, and that is the Fresno Association of Realtors. We might be able to be in a meeting with you guys and say, you need to tweak this part or, or that part to make it a viable program. Because I, I can see one issue, somebody wants to move here and take on the job, but they have trouble finding a home. Mm-hmm. So that timing aspect, we might be able to offer some uh, some ideas for you. Well, I'd love that. You know, one of that's one of the great things about Fresno. We're we're the fifth largest city in the state, but we're still that tight knit community, and we can have a conversation, and we can make that into our incorporate that into policy, make it better policy. I love that. Yeah, yeah awesome. and as an example, uh, this was a national thing that happened right after the recession. 
a, a new program came out that was going to jumpstart housing. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be fantastic. Just what we need. But as you got into the nitty gritty of it, it didn't work. The devil's it, always in the details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and come to find out they had never consulted with the realtors to find out what will make it viable. And had it just been a couple of tweaks in the program, it would have worked. Mm-hmm. With that, we do have to go to another commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and our co-host, Kim Huckabee of FAR, is here, along with City Council Member Mike Carbasi, District 2. So um, you were talking about hiring more police officers uh, and such. What makes them want to come to Fresno? And and then I'm going to ask you, what would make them want to live in District 2, Northwest Fresno? What are the amenities so the, the first thing is I'd like to find officers born and raised in the community. And so we want to keep them here. So the one thing we have to do is have more competitive pay. But when it comes to lateral transfers, officers with experience and attracting them to Fresno, if they have a family, this is the perfect place to raise them. We have great schools, uh, especially in northwest Fresno where I grew up. Uh, there's a lot of green space. It's a very green district. Um, there are mature trees everywhere and shade. Uh, we have this amazing San Joaquin River, which is the second largest river in the state of California. And we're on the cusp of opening up access points to that river. We are a waterfront community. We just don't know it yet. And once we do that over off Palm and uh, by Spano Park off of Palm and Riverview Drive and off of Audubon and Del Mar, uh, it's going to be fantastic in terms of biking, kayaking, activities for the scouts. Um, so those are the things I look forward to and shopping and the food. Come on. I mean, we have some great restaurants in Northwest Fresno. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to lifestyle, if you want a lower stress, large city lifestyle, we have all the shopping here, but we don't have the long commutes. Um, that's what I think North Fresno, Northwest Fresno offers. We are making progress because I remember as a kid when we wanted to go fishing, we would jump the fence over there where Spano Park is now and go down to the river and i remember being run off by some guy hey how'd you kids get in here <laughs> while well, we jumped the fence <laughs> yeah the attitudes changed now uh, i was driving down there with the the uh, executive director of the conservancy and we see the, the kids fishing how's it going kids uh, did you catch anything because we want people using that river yeah and it it is a, a great place um i would love to see more of the river and more opportunities so how about the river trail? How's that coming? Well, it all kind of works hand in hand. So when we have those access points, we're going to be able to hopefully finish the Eaton Trail all the way through. That's the goal. The So the entire conservancy, which goes from Bryant Dam to the 99, you'll be able to walk or bike along that, that whole line. So we're getting closer and closer every day. That'll be a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think we'll see it. We'll at least see construction before the end of this term. So within the next four years, we should see groundbreaking on those access points coming through. Awesome. And, and that's, that's my backyard. Yeah, <laughs> that is because you, um, you're a District 2 resident. Yes, I am. You're close to the river. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
It's a few degrees cooler over there in right. District 2, I think, too. And, 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 you know, the nice thing is for the entire Fresno community, for, for your clients that are located in other parts of town, we have a lot of new infrastructure coming in, like Veterans Boulevard. So they'll be able to access the river. This is really going to be a regional amenity for, for all our kids and everyone. Tell us about Veterans Boulevard, because that's been coming for a long time. It has. Uh, you know, so... If you ever try to get east and west in this town, with the exception of Herndon, sometimes it's a little bit difficult. And when you're on Herndon trying to go over the 99 to the other side, it's pretty tough. What Veterans is going to do is going to it's going to kind of cheat in a way, in a good way. It's going to basically be an overpass from the Herndon and Polk area. And you're going to be able to go on an an overpass over the 99, over Golden State and get off on Shaw uh, and off of Shaw. So. It's going to be a, it's going to save commute times. It's going to really open up access to this community. So if you want to, you know, you have uh, the one we have the 180, we have the 168, we have the the 41. Uh, but we need that last piece of the puzzle, and that's Veterans Boulevard. Yeah, because it can be a traffic. I don't want to say nightmare. It can be a traffic issue when the trains are coming. It can, and you yeah. know, eventually, we will have an underpass at Herndon where the road tracks are. Shaw is a big one. So uh, once we can get that, because if you want to go to Kerman, it takes a while. Once we can get that 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 uh, little boondoggle taken care of, that'll be huge. <laughs> Do you feel like that'll open up more regional growth too? Like with Kerman, Madeira? I think so. Viola? I, I think, so. you know, you know, our, our fire department used to actually cover Kerman. Uh, we had a contract with Kerman. We don't anymore because that's part of North Central. But um, I think it would just help growth along Shaw. It would really, really help uh, businesses and development and hopefully more housing opportunities there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and housing in on the west side of town is a little bit cheaper, and this is one I learned from Joe Farina many years ago, and that's because the farmland out there are in bigger parcels than in on the east side of town. So the east side of town, Clovis and northeast Fresno, a lot of two-acre parcels. So if, if you want to purchase 10 acres to develop a subdivision you got to put five pieces together whereas you it's a little easier to find five and ten and 20 acre parcels in the west side and i would i would think the future of growth is going to be probably southwest fresno i mean we have a lot of growth happening in southeast as well and some areas around district four which is like the central part of the district but i think that it's going to be it's going to be the west side Mm -hmm. that uh, continues to grow yeah, in Northwest Fresno, the growth as the years go, you're going to see that it's not it, the growth isn't as great, and it's not because of desire. It's because we ran out of river, uh, we ran into the river, right? And no and more land. Uh, we have a lot of commercial growth. Um, you know, there's a, a, especially in Herndon and Brawley. There's a new Chipotle coming in, which uh, is a bigger deal than I expected for people. Um, Dutch Brothers sprang are everywhere, um, and always a line. I don't understand. I, that, that's the business I should have gotten. I don't know what they put in their coffee, yeah. but it's, it works. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. So um, what about the parks around? Um, let's say in District 2. Um, what do we have? Logan Park? Logan. We have Holman. Um, you know, when, in fact, when I, when I grew up, Logan was the park you went to. It was really the only park we had. We didn't have Holman. Now, Oso del Oro, which is a fantastic park, that's actually from the flood control district. So that, that they, they run that park. Uh, it's fan- I love that park. 
Um, I used to take my kids there a lot. Yeah. Was it closed during COVID, that park? It was because they have, so they have two seniors that they have, they have two parks. One is Trolley Park in Southeast in Luis Chavez's district, and the other one's Oso del Oro in District 2. But they had seniors that were attendants at that park. But because of COVID, they weren't able to work. One of them retired. That was the, the rest of the story is what happened. <laughs> and now uh, they've opened up since they've, they've had a new staffing come in. Oh, great. I have that on my list to check out. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and and I, I would love to see more of those basin-type parks. Uh, we also have Orchid Park, uh, and there's uh, Collegian Park. Um, oh, and a really neat thing coming up. Uh, at, at, Cle- at Collegian Park, we actually have an NBA player who, through Project Backboard, is donating. We have a, a, they call, a fenced-off uh, uh, basketball court. And they're going to donate new backboards, new a new uh, I guess it's called a black top or whatever the top is at the basketball courts. So and he, he specifically chose North, that 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 place because this is where he grew up. That's where he played basketball. Which NBA player? I'm not supposed to say yet, but we'll find out in three weeks. Oh, okay. He's a new <laughs> NBA player from from Fresno, so he's 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 pretty new to the game. Ah, okay. Yeah. Not who I would have guessed then. No. But Our- but whoever you would have guessed, we welcome him. Come on, invest in Fresno. <laughs> we'll take it. All right. Um, so besides safety and parks, what what else does the city do that that's a big part of your budget that you have to, to sure. balance? So there are parts of our budget that aren't from the general fund, like the, the utilities or the garbage collection, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, or water delivery. That's obviously very important to the daily lives of residents. But those are run like private businesses. Those are fairly, fairly, uh, fairly sound. Uh, but I would say the other part of the bu- the budget we're talking about, public works. So roads, road repairs, uh, potholes. Now, if you ever notice a pothole and you call 311 or you go to the Fresco app, which is fantastic, and that's one thing we, we have. If a resident has a problem, you go on Fresco, you get a documented case, and they're very responsive. We fill those potholes pretty fast. We have a great public works department. Um, but I would say that infrastructure is going to be a big key of how we spend this Recovery Act money because – it's a one-time expense, but what it actually does is instead of creating future expenses, it reduces future expenses because we're fixing our roads. So we want to spend money in the future it's pay, paying as much to fix that same road. So that's going to be great for mobility, and it's going to be great for every part of this community. We have some sidewalk issues in northwest Fresno, as you may, may notice. Some of the tree roots come up, and they, they, they buckle the sidewalks. Well, that's a safety issue, and I want to get those taken care of as fast as possible. So um – would you say the biggest challenges in the budget process have to do with really making decisions on spending some of the federal, you know, CARES Act money? It will be in this case, but I think, okay, not to be pessimistic, one thing I've learned, I still have one foot out the door in that I'm a new council member. It's been almost two years, but I'm very much still the business owner and the resident. And very soon when my term is up, I'm going to be the business owner and the resident again. I think personality is the biggest flaw an ego. And it's not about the merit. It's about trying to stab this person on the back or that person on the back. And I don't like that. That's one of the things I've noticed at City Hall that's very frustrating. Uh, I think the mayor is really kicking butt and doing everything he can to... Uh, he's been a lot more transparent about this budget process, and I'm very grateful to him. But I think he's getting beat up by a council that wants to fight. And I think that's wrong. Hmm. So, so once again, united is a whole lot better than divisive. Absolutely. And we can do it because I know the residents are united. I know as people, we're nice to each other. Your government should reflect that too. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well said, Council Member Carbasi. Now, you're in your first term? Uh, tech, so I finished out Steve Brandau's term. That was a ah, year and right. four months. So I'm in my first full term. So can you run for a second term? If my hair doesn't go too gray, yes. Well, he can go seven terms then because <laughs> you're not even close. <laughs> it's a hard job. It really is a hard job. And, I, and I've actually had the pleasure of listening to you at you know um, last few council meetings. And the, the compliment I'd like to give you is that you are just incredibly pragmatic. I don't think you identify with one side or another. You seem to find allies on the council as you need to to serve your constituents. And I... You've just um, very impressive. No, I, I appreciate that. It's a lot, you know, it is a lot of fun. My favorite parts are things like this, talking to folks that can help us make better policy, like the Realtors Association and residents. I had a resident, unfortunately, their home burned, well, part of their home burned down over, over last Thursday. And we've got, we're working with nonprofits and we're getting them resources. And we're trying to find, I think we're going to work with a, a disaster relief group to help them rebuild their, their, it's just the bathroom that burned down. But for them, it was devastating. That's the kind of stuff, it's fun because you help people. I mean, it sounds silly, but that's really the job. And that's the best part of it, bringing resources together. All right. That's a good story. With that, though, we are going to our next commercial break. But stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, along with co-host Kim Huckabee from the Fresno Association of Realtors and City Council Member Mike Carbasi from Northwest Fresno. And um, you've been giving us a great update on issues with the city, the budget, where our money goes. Um, Let's kind of focus in on jobs and housing. I think those are two of the biggest concerns for people so what the city doesn't build houses but what can the city do to encourage housing well that's a great question so we have what's called the general plan and we have a development code and when it comes to building new housing um, the developer uh, has to go to the city to get permitting and we can make that process easier Um, so Part of it is updating our development code or at least having a system where we are a little bit more, a little bit less risk averse because time, time is money. And we, we, you know, right now interest rates are low. It's a great time for someone to buy a home. The market is there. But if we don't have the supply, all that's going to happen are the prices go up. Mm -hmm. So part of it is just kind of streamlining the process and getting a little bit out of the way. Um, But the other part is just the council setting policy that we are friendly to growth and we can do it responsibly. The biggest concern about new growth is the drain on the general fund. So it's going to cost more to maintain the roads. It's going to cost more for the, for the sewage and for the water delivery. But what we can do a lot of times, one of the reasons why you see these new communities like in Southeast or in Northwest or Northeast that, well, why do they have all these nice roads? Why do they have all this nice vegetation? Because the residents pay for it on their property taxes. It's called the community facilities district. And it's just part of the new mechanism of all these new uh, of all these these new homes and this growth. Um, unfortunately, it's very difficult to go back and offer that to some of the older communities because they have to vote to tax themselves. But um, what we what we can do with this new growth is make sure the residents pay enough to pay for the public safety that has to go out there. So it's revenue neutral, but no one has seemed to want to take that on. But we're working on it. So there mm-hmm. there's a lot we can do. 
But the state also has these new regulations for what's called vehicle miles traveled, VMT, Mm -hmm. and that's going to severely impact the ability to grow because they're trying to force more folks to use mass transit. But Fresno's a very different kind of community. People like their cars. Now, people like electric cars. They buy electric cars or hybrid cars, too, in this town. But they want mobility. Well, and I mean, people often, you know, they have to drive a long way to work. Sometimes you could live in Fresno, but maybe you work in Madera. You know, I mean, I think yeah. the, the Central Valley is just very different when, in terms of, you know, mass public tra- transit being, I don't know, no, workable. And, and when that v- VMT, Vehicle Miles Travel legislation passed in Sacramento, they pretty much thought that all things will fit into one one bucket. And, you know, the Fresno, Clovis, our Central Valley is much different. Um, I don't know how pub- uh, mass transportation would work. I would probably have to walk a mile or two to get to a, a station from where I live. Imagine it, if it was 110 out there, too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I think a lot of us, you know, we love our homes, we love our state, but we get frustrated with Sacramento because oftentimes they'll try to prescribe a one-size-fits-all solution. We And the valley gets left behind. Um, so it just it doesn't work for, for us. And the biggest problem is, so when you increase the regulation, the developer pays more, but the developer doesn't pocket that cost. They pass it to the consumer, and it increases the price of housing. Yet the governor says we're in a housing crisis, and we need 10 million more units. Well, we've come nowhere close to that goal because all they do is increase regulation instead of finding, making it make, incentivizing, or not even incentivizing, just back off a little bit. Back mm-hmm. off and let the private sector do what it has to do to fill the void left by lack of supply. And sometimes it, you have to weigh the pros and cons of a good idea. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, it's a good idea to have the fire sprinklers in your homes. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that adds, let's say, $10,000 to the cost of it. It's a good idea to have solar. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's going to add twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to the cost of the home. So that's 10% right there. Then I heard from a builder that it costs him about $80,000 a lot to just before they even put a shovel in the ground. And that doesn't include the, the cost of the land. Mm-hmm. So how do you get affordable housing when you start adding all those good ideas on? Yeah, I mean, these are tankless water heaters. I mean, it goes on and on. Right. Yeah. You have to have balance like with, with with the sprinkler suppression systems. We got to see how much that costs. Now, I know our fire department loves that because it does make it a lot easier to cover such a big city. But when you talk about solar, look, I love renewable energy, too. I, we, in fact, the city is investing in solar, but that's a huge cost to pass to the consumer. And I feel like the, a lot of the policymakers don't understand someone has to pay for it. What I'm afraid of is they're going to have policies to mandate uh, the reduction in housing prices for a certain segment. But what happens is then the other people have to pay for it, make that up. The private sector, sector doesn't eat that cost. And I, I never understood the, the logic there, the pseudo logic behind those decisions. Well, and I've often wondered this. So with solar, PG&E has less, fewer consumers to pay for it, but they still have an infrastructure they have to pay for. So aren't they raising the prices to those that are still on? Oh, you're you're asking for logic and details. Hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I I think I again I think that we have to be 
we have to look at – so the good thing about the private sector is you're planning not just for now. You're planning for 10 years from now. But when you're an elected official, it's four years. That's the way the brain, the minds work, which is, I think, wrong. It's wrong when you care about your city. You need to be long -term, a long-term thinker too. And that's what the, where the business perspective comes in. Mm -hmm. So um, we, we have all this with uh, – all that the city has to prepare for. And like the general plan, is that the general plan something the city council votes on? Yeah, so the, so the last way, the last time it worked, we had a commission of residents that came together with a plan to decide how we're going to grow. The debate has always been, are we going to grow outwards or are we going to focus on the inner core in downtown? And I think the mayor's new priority is let's do both. Let's not just choose one or the other. And I think that's a more balanced approach. With the new development, definitely we need to make sure that the facility districts we create are enough to where they can pay for themselves, not drain on the general fund, because we have to make we have to take care of these older neighborhoods. At the same time, let's not give up on downtown. Downtown's it's exciting. I mean, it is more expensive to develop an area with old infrastructure, but there are people willing to do it. And you've just around this building where we're at Kino right now, you've seen a lot of great development and investment in downtown, and it's not going to end. Right. And there is, we do have some infill re requirements that we have to do to mm -hmm. keep, you know, Sacramento happy. So that it's great that we have the area and it can be done. You touched me off when you said downtown, because I too am a lifelong Fresno resident, born and raised here. Don't you live in Clovis now, Don? Well, okay. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Now, He's been gone a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but you still work in Fresno, so we're good. That's right. Hey, I still pay a city business tax a license. Alrighty. So, all right. So, um, and, and, hey, that's a detail. <laughs> uh, and and I'll take on anybody. I know more about Fresno than the average bear. Yes, uh, you do. And one of the things I remember is 20 years ago downtown was at the bottom it was not vibrant at all there wasn't much happening and i think the thing that caused the biggest turnaround in downtown is when they put housing here mm -hmm. and that put brought people here and, and now there's coffee shops there's well it becomes like more of a you know a neighborhood a community instead of just being you know more businesses and you know mm -hmm. th those kinds of things people, yeah. and just like you were saying earlier those people that own in this area now are invested right there was a time when i only came downtown to pay my traffic tickets <laughs> <laughs> yes very much so um but i think that's changing I, I love the fact that we have a very different kind of business in downtown i mean these are not just some national chains these are people that it's, it's a small business owner and there's a culture to that business that you have here yeah Local. that's right so what do you see downtown looking like in five years well, if, if the attitude that we have at City Hall, which has changed a lot, if, if it's going to go that way, I think you're going to see a lot more housing come into downtown and hopefully more businesses and culture uh, revitalized in downtown. I, I think that uh, there's going to be – and my hope is we can keep as many of the older buildings that we have, but there's a lot more energy coming in. All right. I, and I see that too, and I think housing is the answer for downtown. Um, I was at one of the city council meetings when somebody said, why don't you put a Burger King here? Why don't you put that? Well, the city doesn't do that. That's not part of your job. Your job is to create the infrastructure to in so that Burger King does come down here right, the and housing comes down. Here. Absolutely. And when housing goes in. Uh, about 15 years later, typically, is when commercial will follow. So hopefully we can jumpstart that being an urban area. But you're right. We have to create the opportunity. 
And I was around too when the Fulton Mall first went in. And it was like the biggest thing. But then you started to forget, well, what's on the other side of the mall? Because maybe you didn't walk the whole seven blocks. Um, so when they opened it back up, I think that was a, a big thing too to, to help downtown Fresno. Yeah, you know, only 3% of walking malls like Fulton Mall uh, survived. Uh, you know, I went to San Antonio and the Riverwalk, and that's really nice, and I, I really love that. But that's just, it, it's one of the few exceptions. Um, opening it up, there's still plenty of room to walk and park, but people also feel safer. I think people feel more comfortable if they can see their car. Um, and the the fact is more people makes it safer because there's eyes on the street and that's really important so yeah. so in district two what are what's the competition for downtown so what, what where are your shopping malls in district well, two you know we have el paseo shopping center which is a new one off of the hernan 99 area we've got fig garden village which everyone loves it's a, it's a real gem for the district that's uh, my old paper route is that right yeah yeah uh, and you know we've got and we've got a lot of uh, shopping centers throughout the district and a lot of local businesses throughout throughout the district. So it's a little bit of everything. Well, I would like to thank you for coming in today and uh, visiting with us and and sharing your your knowledge of the city of Fresno and District Two and what we can expect. And thank you, Kim, for helping me out, um, especially while I was gone. <laughs> realized that was a much needed vacation i had <laughs> good good well i'm glad you're back and i do next time we should talk a little bit about your trip okay the places you went we'll where in the that. world is dawn <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll we'll do that but anyway thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to welcome home radio 940 espn we'll be back with you next week